Let's spend a bit of time in the Bible. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we open your word, firstly we just want to say thank you for the gift of the scriptures. Just thank you for the gift of the scriptures, for the witness of who you are, the revelation of who you are through the scriptures. We say thank you, Lord. And we pray that this morning as we meet with you through the scriptures, that you would increase in us an appetite for who you are in the scriptures. Make us hungry for your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, <clears throat> Nick and I, we got home on uh, Friday night just in time to empty Luke's um, bag of dirty clothes throw some more clean clothes in it and send him off to youth camp. He was most impressed that we were able to turn that around. But we came home and um, we really did enjoy our time of, um, of rest. We, uh, we got sunburnt, we got to read books, we got to just enjoy each other's company and we got to have some really good long conversations with Jesus uninterrupted conversations with Jesus. And that, that for us was um, an incredible blessing. Oh, thanks. That was, for us, was an incredible blessing to be able to find that space and time to have those conversations with God. And um, we just want to say thanks, too, for um, Nikki. She shared a couple of weeks ago about the challenge of community, living in community, of kingdom, being kingdom people and living together in kingdom community. And um, some great challenging teaching there. And also Trent last weekend as he was talking about being in kinship life and small group life and sharing um, with each other in small group settings and how that is very, very integral to our, our life and our discipleship walk with Jesus. Um, this morning, I want to do two, well, I want to do a part of a message this morning and I'll, I'll, I'll try and get some way into it and then, um, and then we'll see how we go. But there's a whole other chunk that I want to touch on next week. So, But you'll notice there from the, uh, from the PowerPoint that's up on the screen there where we're going this morning. We're, we're going to be talking about Seeking first the kingdom of God. You know, it's really quite an amazing adventure to follow Christ. And um, you're never quite sure which way some days he's going to walk because he continues to say, if, you know, the perspective that we should have of Jesus, other than in our times of devotion and experience with him, of, of quiet, reflective prayer with him, often in those moments is face-to-face. But generally, through the course of the day, our perspective of Jesus should be his back. Should be his back. Because Jesus walks into people's lives and he says these two words to them. He says, follow me. And so Jesus is always on the move. His father is busy about the work of the kingdom and Jesus is busy about his father's work because Jesus wants to give glory to the father in the earth. And so our daily perspective of Jesus should be, where are you walking to 
because that's where I want to walk. And one of the great um, experiences that we've discovered through our Christian walk for Nicole and I is that Jesus wants to walk through in every single sphere of our life. All of the components that we would otherwise kind of go, well, that's my area, that's this area, that's that area of my life, be it my working ethics, be it my capacity to love people, be it my handling of my resources, be it how to parent a child, be it learning how to drive out a demon, whatever aspect of our life, Jesus loves to walk through all of them. He's no respecter of what we would want to claim as ours. Um, for anything, for, particularly I'm speaking to those of us in the room here that are, that are followers of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, the day we got baptised was the day we said, we give up every area of our life. We give up the authority to be the God of our own destiny. We give it all away. In fact, we don't just give it away, we're going to die to it. And in our baptism, when we get buried in the water, we die to it. And then we rise to new life in Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of us, uh, you know, because so Jesus looks at that. And Jesus says, thank you for following me into the waters of your baptism. And then Jesus says, now follow me in every sphere of your life. He really is no respecter of what we would want to build or partition aspects of our life. Jesus just loves to walk on in. That's what it means when we said to him, well, it's you're, you're the king, you're the master, you're my, my God. So it's all yours. And so he just takes that as complete permission to interrupt all in every aspect of our life. Every decision that we need to make and every dream he plants in our heart and every, every sense of you know, prophecy and prophetic word that he's visited into our life along the way. He continues to say, this way, come on, let's go. Um, Nicole and I are in a rather um, exciting and at the same time, um, it feels like exciting phase of our life. We've got one, one, one child who's now a young adult and she's off in university life. This was our first time we went away as a family holiday, but our, not all of our immediate family was actually there because one of our family had to go and be at university. And so it was, it was a different experience for us. It's like, gosh, you know, we're, they're growing up and they're following God and they're following their paths. And so our understanding of what family meant has to change. Family holiday has to change, you know. And um, But we're in this really fun sort of phase, or maybe fun's not the right word, (laughs) but we're in this really interesting phase where God is um, intensifying is not the right word, but he's becoming even more passionate about his plans for our life toward us. The further we go on in this, the more passionate and determined Jesus is to be our king and to bring us into everything that he's got in plan for us and in play for us. 
And um, so we're at this phase where, you know, for the last number of years, there's been a sense of consistency about our life. You know, okay, all the kids are in school or, okay, we've got, you know, a a fairly certain reality of income and um, provision. Um, We've got a a fairly, you know, stable sense of predictability about our life. And then Jesus comes along and says, now, follow me. And we're like, yeah, Lord, we're in. We've always been in. We'll always be in. We're in. You know we're that kind of people. We are in all the way. Well, it's one thing to say those words, isn't it? It's another thing to walk those words. When we say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Every area of our life right now seems to feel like it's, okay, Lord, it's completely yours to speak to us again about. I, over the last 10 days of being at the coast on, a, on this break, I, I spent a lot of time uh, walking on the beach and kicking at the water's edge and having long conversations with God, long conversations with God. Because I know that in my saying, yes, God, I'm all in, he's saying to me, okay, now you're going to have to trust me because I'm going to completely reorganise your life as you know it. Now, as a 46-year-old bloke, I kind of have like some predictability about things these days. But Jesus is asking me, am I prepared to give it all up again and follow him? As you know, Nick and I have been invited and called by God and affirmed by the, the Vineyard Movement to become the new national directors of Vineyard Australia. And that officially starts from the 1st of June, but we've been busy pretty much since the start of the year trying to organise all of the transitional realities of that and moving the office and everything from Melbourne to Brisbane and getting all the communication systems set up and so forth. There's been a lot going on. But as a part of that whole process, Nicole and I have had to ask again, God, what is it that you want for us in terms of our vocation? For both of us, we both feel called by God to be the national directors of the Vineyard Movement. We both feel called to continue to pastor here as the senior pastors at Vineyard Pine Rivers. But we can't do everything that we've been doing up to this point. Change has to be made. And so we're giving ourselves to that journey of change yet again. One of the things that Jesus said to me while I was walking the beach and pounding the sand under my feet and kicking at the water's edge was he he said simply to me, Kirk, just keep the first things first. Just keep the first things first. And with that, there was both a sense of, well, it's nice to hear from you, Lord. There's a sense of, comfort in hearing him speak to you like that and then at the same time there's a sense of well what the heck does that mean you ever had those encounters with the Lord those kind of conversations it's like thank you and then it's like but what on earth does that mean and he kept and he just kept saying to me over and over again Kirk first things first my kingdom first 
we, um, we're all encouraged as, um, you know, good, um, good Western people to be um, very organised and prioritised with our lives. We get skilled in being able to and trained and educated both in our workplaces, our schools, in our vocations, to be able to, in the course of a day, be able to prioritise what needs to be done, what can be left, what can be just divested of and given away to another to be responsible for. We all have been skilled and trained and developed like that. And, and so we need to bring that to what Jesus asks of us when he says, seek first my kingdom. Um, you know, often in the course of a day, it might be a case of, well, what does priorities or first things look like? What does first things look like in the decisions that you have to make this week concerning your finances? What does first things first look like? What does first things first look like in your marriages this week? What does first things first look like in the way that you're going to parent your children this week? What does first things first look like in regards to the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that is on you so that you might be a gift to his people and a resource of the kingdom to the world through his Holy Spirit? What what does first things first look like? Often we want to put a checklist in place. Oh, yeah, I can put a checklist in place. I'll get up, I'll do my God time, I'll eat my breakfast and I will always push things aside to get that first coffee of the day. I mean, we even do it here. We push things aside to get to the first coffee of the day. Hello. Worship starts at 9.30. Sorry, God, I just got to get that coffee first. Hello, I'm talking to myself here. But this is, this is what... A lot of little things want to get in our, in our face and want to proclaim to us this is a first thing. When we don't have priorities in our life, we often do find ourselves adrift and that's because we don't have a solid sense of values. But we do need kingdom life values through Jesus. And I want us to read right now um, out of Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bible with you, open it up to Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew 6, Jesus, um, or, or let me say this up front, Matthew, when Matthew writes, he's writing to a group of people who have traditionally come from a Jewish background. Okay, so he's kind of writing to the Jewish community that is becoming Jesus' followers. And so he has this very intense focus on helping them to move from living under law to living in the freedom of faith in Jesus Christ. And so he's really helping them to get it. And so um, Matthew records this whole section from Matthew 5, 6, 7, all, all about where Jesus is on the side of the hill telling people, kingdom lifestyle really it's like if you want to be a part of the kingdom this is what lifestyle looks like in the kingdom and he goes through issues of like prayer what kingdom prayer looks like he goes through like what kingdom forgiveness looks like in daily relationships he goes on about um what what um relationships look like and provision looks like in the kingdom of god and he touches on all of these um these areas 
and he pushes into teaching into all of these areas. And then, of course, you know, Jesus, um, he, he picks up here, and we're going to pick up in verse um, 25, where Jesus really, at the you know, drills down into the core worry of most people, and particularly of the, um, the people that he's, you know, he's speaking to. Uh, so verse 25 of chapter 6 reads this, Therefore, Jesus said, I tell you, don't worry for your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. I'm, I'm, I don't think he's saying just be ignorant and trash yourself. He's not saying that. He's saying don't worry about it as opposed to learning to love yourself even as Christ loves you. Very different, okay? He's, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Take a look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? By taking the time to point out the created order there, about birds and their place in the created order, Jesus is reminding his audience, his Jewish audience, he's reminding them, of the creation story, that God made all of this and then he made the pinnacle of his creation, which was humanity, the image bearers of God, to have dominion over. And so he's pointing to their own story and saying, hey, look at the created order. God's caring for that and remember who you are as the highest piece of the created order of God in the earth and your true identity in God. Remember who you are? who have been given dominion and authority over the earth to go and bear fruit and, and take dominion of the earth. He's reminding them of their identity by comparing them to a bird. Who of you, can, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, again, he's reminding them of their history in God, their long story in God. Don't you remember? Solomon in all, of his uh, in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will not he much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, the, the, the way that you read that's really important, that last little bit, O you of little faith. Jesus is not um, chiding people in that statement. The, the, the way that he's saying it is just pointing out the obvious. Oh, you? You've only got little faith. He's just point, helping people to understand where they are so that they can come into who they're meant to be in him. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Because the pagans run after all of these things. Now again, he's making some pretty strong comparisons between people who live 
under the generous rule and reign of God as king and those that choose to practice a pagan life, which is to reject the reality of God and live under their own lordship as king. He's making a very distinct um, point of difference there. The pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom his, and his righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble in its own. There's, a, there's an uncanny sense of divine order in that, that little verse there. It's very interesting, this divine order. So first things first, it's about his kingdom. Our life is about God is king and learning to live under his generous rule and reign. It's about his righteousness, which is how he makes all things right in and through Jesus. And all these things, food, clothing, provision, shelter, well-being, all these things are given you as well. So can you see the divine order in that? Where it starts with his kingdom? It starts with him making everything right for your life in Jesus? And that through that, he looks after all of your needs because he knows you need them and they'll be given you as well. It's a wonderful sense of divine order in that little scripture. But there's a key word there, and I've just kind of italicized it. Um, it says, seek first. I want to just this morning talk about the nature of what it means to seek first God. There is... Um, there's, it's an interesting little word that, um, that that word seek means in the Greek. It actually has three aspects to it. The three practices or three aspects to this word called um, seek, which is a verb, it's a doing word. Um, and th- these three aspects are endeavouring, inquiring and stewarding. These three words are all wrapped up in this idea of seeking first the rule and reign of God. So let's just quickly unpack those this morning. Um, this year, there's been a, a, um, I meet on a Saturday morning with, a, with a, a small group of people from here at the vineyard and we go running every Saturday morning. We go to a local park. And we go and do a park run. And if we're not at, a, at home in our local park, the good, the good thing is about these park runs, you can go anywhere pretty much in the world and you'll find one of those, these little park runs and so you can do your Saturday park run. Well, one of these Saturday park runs, um, they're five kilometres in length. And so everyone and their dog, literally and their dog, comes along and then we run for five kilometres. I think yesterday morning's down at the one I go to, there was, I think there was about 150 people that turned up there yesterday. And that's a small park run. There's local ones all over the place. There's people doing this all over the place. Even when we were at way on holidays in Caloundra, I, I managed to, you know, stir the kids to get out of bed and, and we went and we went and did the Caloundra park run. So we have these park runs. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The distance is always five kilometres. But one of the one of the things I have happened to me every Saturday on this park run, 
without fail is I get to this point in the, in the run, usually about three and a half kilometres in. And about three and a half kilometres in, my body starts communicating to me very intently, like, you idiot, stop. <laughs> Just stop. Listen to the knees. Listen to them. Listen to your hips. Listen to your back. Let alone all the sweat that's coming off you right now. Just stop. And so at the three and a half K mark, between there and the four kilometre mark, that 500 metres is probably the most gruelling part of the run. Because in that 500 metres, I have to make a decision about what I'm going to do. Am I going to make an effort and to continue to tell my body, actually, body, you need to listen to the head because the head is saying, we are going on. We are moving on. We're going to push through this and we're going to get through to the finish line. And so for that 500 metres, I have this argument inside myself. My body's saying stop and my head is saying, body, be quiet, keep moving. And we have this argument or I have this argument within myself. But I have to make this effort, this continual effort towards pushing through that space to get into the last kilometre. Because once I hit the last kilometre, I'm right. Once I can just overcome that battle within myself, it's like, yep, I'm there now. I can see the finish line. We're coming home and we'll come home. And so, but this idea of endeavouring or seeking God means um, making a diligent effort. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, make a diligent effort about the kingdom. Well, isn't it, isn't it, yes, it's all about grace and it's all a gift from God. Absolutely, amen, that no man should boast. But God's looking for partnership and relationship and a journey together with us. And he's saying if we're going to be a kingdom people who seek first, who are seekers or in action, the first part it is we need to be people who are constant, earnest and persistent about this choice that we've made to follow him and to respond to his call on our lives. Um, we all have endeavours. My goodness. When I was um, a lot younger and Nicole and I got married, I had these endeavours in mind that we were going to do with our life. We're going to make, we're going to do all of these things. We're going to have this kind of life, and we're going to make, we're going to have this en- endeavour to live it out. And a lot of that was born in God. A lot of it was born out of myself. But nonetheless, in all of it, we've continued to have to give ourselves and be a part of the process. I've endeavoured to be a good dad. Now, you can ask my kids about how well I've done. You know, uh, some days my endeavours, my consistency and my diligence and my willingness to say, okay, God, not my way, your way. I'll love them like you do, not like I want. Uh, All of that stuff... Uh, you can ask them how I've gone. Um, I've endeavoured to be a good provider for my family. I've endeavoured to make sure that they're without need and want, that, that, that as, a, as a provider, 
that I, could, I can you know, be a resource of God for their life in terms of provision. I've endeavoured to do that. And sometimes I've done that well. And other times I've made decisions that hasn't been great, hasn't been good. And I haven't done well on my endeavours. Um, I've endeavoured to be a faithful um, pastor to, to you here at Vineyard Pine Rivers. I've endeavoured to be that. And again, you guys can tell me how well I've done in that, in terms of my endeavours. Um, and, and, it's, and it's our hope, Nicole and I, it's our hope, we endeavour to be really good national directors of the vineyard in Australia. We, we, we all endeavour. We endeavour to have some... And, but sometimes, as much as we endeavour, reality tells us that sometimes... Uh, you know, things don't go as we have planned. But in terms of being a kingdom first person, in terms of being a seeker of the rule and reign of God for our life, um, it means to be one who endeavours. And, I, you know, we can fill our life up with stuff, but I'll talk about this next week, about the nature of his kingdom and his righteousness are the endeavours that we should be on about. But to give you an illustration, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul writes to the Ephesians church, to, just to give you an illustration of this word in, um, endeavouring or zaeto, he says, make every effort, zaeto, to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He's saying, hey church, hey people of God, you make every effort, turn up, be a part of this. Bring your faith to this. Bring wherever you are to this, who you are to this, this relationship. This is what kingdom people do. They endeavour. Hey, listen, I found this quote from um, John Wesley. He said this. He says, give me a hundred, this is one of his endeavours. He said, give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and a desire and desire nothing but God and I care not whether they be clergy or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now, how's that for an endeavour? How's that for an endeavour? That was Wesley's endeavour. But he gave himself to that. He diligently gave himself to that. Um, the next aspect is inquiring. Um, that's all I did last week while I was away on the beach. I was inquiring of the Lord. I was pushing into his face and getting into his space to say, hey, I need some answers. I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me what you're, you're doing and you want me to do. I'm inquiring of you, God. Jesus calls kingdom people to be people who inquire of him. There's a couple of illustrations there. You know, in the Old Testament, King David, just after he's become king and Saul has died and he's now becoming king and um, in the eyes of the people and beginning to rule and reign, he has to go to war. David has to go to war against the Philistines who are invading on God's people. And so what, is, what does David do? And if you read in, in 2 Samuel 5 there, he doesn't make any presumptions about how to go to war to defeat the Philistines, so that God's kingdom could be established in the earth. He makes no assumptions. What it tells us is that David goes and inquires of the Lord. He says, Lord, and this, he, he fronts up with his plan. He says, Lord, do you want me to go straight on and take him straight in? And he says, no, David. 
don't go straight ahead. I want you to go flank them and go from around the back and I want you to take them that way. And so David did that and had great victory. But David inquired of the Lord. He asked God, hey God, what do you want me to do here? You've put me in this place. You've, you've, you've made me this person who's supposed to somehow govern and rule and serve. You've, you've given, you know, put this in your own context. Hey God, you've You've given me a job. You've given me an opportunity to serve people in the workplace. You've put me in a university. You've put me in this church. You've given me resources. You've made me a a parent of of children. What do you want me to do here? Kingdom people seek and inquire of the Lord. It's a good practice. Um, So King David did that. How about the disciples? The disciples there in in Mark chapter 9, there's a great illustration of, of how the disciples are, are trying to drive out a demon out of a young boy who was having um, these demonic attacks. And they just couldn't do it. They couldn't drive this demon out. And so what did they do? Well, they, well, Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus drives the demon out. And these guys are scratching their head. But what they did was they said, how did you do it? How do we deal with this? They inquired of the Lord when it came to the practical reality of their faith and moving in the power of the Spirit. They say, how do we do this? And Jesus gives them an answer. He says, well, these ones come out by prayer and fasting. Note that. As if I was there and a disciple of Jesus at the time, note that. He said prayer and fasting is important in these situations. They inquired of the Lord. A little bit later on in the book of Acts, where Peter and, um, I can't think, got a mind blank. Uh, They've been through Thessalonica and they're with the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. The Berean people who were people who were were, um, of high morality and they studied the scriptures diligently. So that whenever Peter spoke anything of the Lord, the Bereans, what they did was they went and tested what he said against what God said. And they inquired of the Lord to make sure that what he, Peter said was exactly what God said. They inquired of the Lord. This is what kingdom people do. They inquire of the Lord. They seek the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, Corey and I, we were, we were praying with a, with a friend of his who had some very significant healing issues and was very ill. He had been, this friend of Corey's had been for surgery. The surgery had not um, produced the outcomes that they were hoping for and he was very, um, very ill. But one of, the, one of the continual things that was happening was that the, the, um, from post-surgery was this bleeding, this non-stop bleeding taking place. And so this friend of Corey's rings Corey and says, hey, I know I haven't been near God for many, many years, but I'm at, an, I'm at the end of myself. Do you think we could pray together? And he said, sure. He said, do you mind if I bring a mate? He said, sure. So we got together and we sit in the room and we say, tell us your story. So the guy tells us his story, he tells us his health condition, and then we sit there and we go, well, let's just ask God how we should pray about this one and tackle this one. 
And so we stopped. And, you know, we're praying about healing, physical healing for this guy. But our first port of call that the Holy Spirit said to us was, I want you to reach into this guy's family of origin and his relationship with his dad. Tell us about your dad. Um, Folks split up when I was young. Um, And last words from dad, hey, it's up to you now. You're the responsible one. And so I'm just like, you know what, I don't, I, how does that, when, you, you know, and he tells us that story, we're like, how does that make you feel? And he says, I'm incredible pressure my whole life, incredible pressure from those parting words of my dad. And we just said, well, you know what, We've, we think God wants to lift the pressure of that off your life. And so we pray together, and in the name of Jesus, we break the power of those words, and then... This guy, we said, you know what? Do you feel like maybe you've agreed with that and taken that on as a job responsibility? And he says, yeah, I do. And we said, well, we think that you need to let that go. Let that job go. It's not yours. And so he renounced his tie to those words, his connection with them, that soul tie. And the Spirit of God broke them. Well, anyway... Um, now, this was four weeks ago uh, that we prayed with this guy. No, not quite four weeks ago, maybe three. And um, anyway, about uh, three days after we prayed with him, he messaged us to say, I just want you to know that from the time we've prayed, the bleeding stopped. Now, we actually didn't get to pray for the healing until about an hour and a half into the process of prayer. God had us go on this inquiry with him and journey with him for this guy so that he could deal with all of the stuff that was actually preventing this guy from knowing health into his body. It was so great. Inquire of the Lord. That's what kingdom-seeking people do. They inquire of the Lord. God... How are we going to get through this next phase of our life? Seek first. Inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. He's only too willing. He's only too gracious. The scriptures say to us in our time of need, seek him. There's wisdom. There's fountains of resource and wisdom from God to be able to navigate our circumstances. He is so very welcoming of our asking. That's another little teaching that Jesus did about the kingdom. Knock, ask, seek. He only is too welcoming of our saying, God, what should we do here? How do we get through this? People of the kingdom of God and who follow Jesus are inquirers of his kingdom. When was the last time we inquired of the Lord? Have we been too quick to let his dreams, his prophetic words gather dust or fall away because they've been challenged by a circumstance or by the enemy himself? And we've stopped inquiring. 
because kingdom people, Jesus people, inquire of the king. Say, hey, king, what's going on? Because this doesn't look like heaven on earth. Kingdom people, Jesus people, inquire of the Lord and don't stop knocking until the door is opened. And, and know this, it's the Holy Spirit in you and the absence of, of that kingdom fulfilment as he taps into that in you and stirs that in you to continue to knock on the door. Keep knocking. Inquire of the Lord. Seek first and do not give up. Do not give up. Um, this last little aspect or this last aspect to that word um, of, of seeking, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word that's for the mature, for those that actually want to grow up in their faith. There's a dynamic to this where it means required or required from. In other words... When I go to the bank, this is a bad illustration, I know, but when I go to the bank and I ask them for a loan, they say to me, sure, we'll give you that money, but here's what we require from you. Or I enter into a mobile phone contract. Sure, we'll give you that phone, but here's what we require from you. Um, when I entered into a covenant of marriage, Nicole said, sure, but here's what I require from you. This, this, this is when we're seeking God's kingdom and his endeavours and his, his, his plans for um, the rule and reign of God in the earth and he gives us his kingdom. He wants to know what we're going to do with it. Like the bank. Here's the money, but here's what I require. You want to come into relationship with me, this the Lord? Sure, here's what I require. And ultimately, what he requires is, you lay down your life, I lay down my life, we take up his life. Now that's a good deal. That's a very good deal. <laughs> but what have we done with what he has given? This is what kingdom seekers are in the face of God about. Lord, show me what I can do with who you are and what you've shown of your greatness and faithfulness to me. Learning to live for Jesus' greater glory. Paul writes it like this. Now, he's talking about his own experience here as... Um, a disciple of Jesus and as he's, he's talking about his own ministry as an apostle because a bunch of people were having a shot at him that's saying, oh, you know, you're not much of an apostle really. And, but anyway, he saw himself as that because he was understood himself called by God and he, and he gave himself to that. But he was writing to the Corinthians and he says this. He says, he says this about himself. He's saying this about himself. He says, my experience is this. It is required, there's that word, zaito, that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. 
God's calling Jesus, kingdom people welcome the invitation to grow deeper and more proficient and more powerful in moving in who they really are as kingdom people and players. And we understand that, you know what? And Jesus even told parables on this. And it's not the basis of whether we get into the kingdom or not, but he will ask us, what have you done with what I gave you? Or let's, let's bring it into the current. What are you doing what I've, with what I am giving you? Like right now, what are you doing? Kingdom people, seekers of the kingdom, Jesus people, welcome that kind of conversation because it grows you up. It brings you up. It expands the authority of Christ in you and through you. What are you doing? What have we done with who God has declared us to be in Jesus Christ as his children? What have we done? With, or what are we doing with the prophecies that he sent to us over the years, both corporately and personally? What are we doing with the gifts of his spirit upon us? What are we doing with the creative talents and capacities he's blessed our life with? What are we doing with the money he has released to our life and blessed our life with? What are we doing with his dreams of heaven on earth? What are we doing with the relationships that he's called us into? What are we doing as a local church with the, with the generosity of his spirit upon us? What are we doing with the forgiveness that he's extended towards us? What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? The follower of Jesus welcomes that conversation. Says, all right, God, let's, let's get busy about this. And we're diligent about it. It's kingdom, that's what kingdom first living is like. We seek first, people who in, uh, seek first endeavors of the kingdom. We seek first and we inquire of the kingdom. And we seek first the joy of God honoring stewardship of the kingdom. I mean, just. It'll blow your doors off when you get it. To think that the maker of heaven and earth has released to you and me all authority, all power that there is in heaven and in the earth through Jesus. And he's poured it onto us. And he says, now, follow me. Let's go do this thing called the kingdom of God. Let's live under the generous rule of God. Kingdom first, people. This morning, I felt as though the Holy Spirit was wanting to invite us again to lay down our endeavours, our endeavours of what we think life should be and welcome the endeavours of the kingdom of God. For some people, that's, that's, why, that's, that's what the Lord's asking of them this morning. For some of us that are here, the Lord is saying, 
it's been a long time since you've even asked me anything. And he's just desperate that we would inquire of him. And for some of us, the Holy Spirit is stirring again that we might honour the stewardship of the kingdom that our life has been the recipient of for the greater glory of God in the earth. So this morning, I, want, I, I, I sense the Holy Spirit was wanting to pray into those three areas. Endeavours, inquiry and stewardship of, Lord, what have we done? with what you've given. So um, why, don't we, um, why don't we just pray into that for a minute and then there's some words of knowledge here for healing that the guys and the girls before the service, the Lord gave them. First things first. First things first.